Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Let's talk to Mary Holm. She's in every couple of weeks. Hi, Mary. Hi, Jesse. She's our personal finance expert with advice on money. And everything I've learned about money, I've pretty much learned from Mary's columns over the years and from her regular visits to us here at RNZ. And um, we do a sort of a mix, don't we, of sort of um, topic ideas and taking questions and letters from the audience. And today we're going to do the latter. Yes. Yeah, we asked for letters about people's worries about KiwiSaver. We got a good mix of letters and we're going to go through half a dozen okay. or so today. So Arman yeah. says that I'm so new to KiwiSaver. I keep hearing from friends and also on your show from Mary about it, but I really don't know the basic concept of it and how it works, how you, your employer, and the government can contribute to it. For a dummy like me, can Mary introduce a website or something so that I can make heads and tails of it? Do you think that's a common problem? Not at this stage, really. I think, um, you know, five years ago, yes. I mean, KiwiSaver's been around for 10 years most people, I think, know the basics now, but, you know, not not everybody. And good on Armand for writing this letter and coming back to the very basics. And, you know, in the end, I think the best website is the Sorted website, which is run by the Commission for Financial Capability, partly because it's government-funded and therefore it's not put together by a provider. A lot of the KiwiSaver providers do do really good education stuff, but it's not... Um, you know, it could be biased a bit towards their products, whereas the commission's one is is straightforward, and they do a lot of really good stuff. And um, if Arman and others want to go straight to their page on KiwiSaver Basics, I made a tiny URL of it so that it was was easier. So that's www.tinyurl t-i-n-y-u-r-l.com. That's just a way of making URLs shorter. And then you go forward slash, and then it's called KiwiSaver Basics. So that's one way. But otherwise, you can just go to the sorted website and, and play around on there, and you'll find they've got some basic information. When it, when it all boils down to it, though, the very basic idea is that you're saving money, and the government is also putting money in as well, and what they put in 50 cents for every dollar you put in up to a maximum of $521 from the government for 1043 from you. And then your employer, if you're an employee, also puts in 3% of your pay. You're putting in 3% or higher and they put in 3%. And so what it amounts to, Arman, is that your money, typically if you're an employee, is doubled by the time you get the government money and and the employer money, it's roughly doubled. And so that means if otherwise you were going to save, say, $100,000 for retirement, you're going to have 200000 So it's as simple as that. It doubles your, your money if you're an employee. If you're not an employee, it's sort of one and a half times your money. Um, so it's really worth spending a bit of time finding out about it because mm. you get great dividends from it. And the idea, the idea behind it was so that 
we got a bit better at saving for retirement, right? So yes. the government didn't have to bear the burden of all of us turning 65 and saying, hey, where's where's my money coming yeah, from? Yeah, well, you know, we, we, we are getting New Zealand super, of course. Um, we always did, and I reckon we always will. Um, from the government. But I think, yes, there was a, certainly a feeling that New Zealand is a pretty poor at saving for retirement. And so let's try and... I mean, in the end, it does take less pressure... To, I mean, there's less pressure on the government to give people more money in retirement if most people are happily funding their own. So, yeah, so it's 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 a good programme, so do get into it. Susan just heard you say 3 4 or 8%. She says, why the big jump from 4 to 8%? Yes, isn't that interesting? It started out at 4 or 8 from memory, and so they just sort of came up with those numbers, the designers of the scheme, and then they decided to lower the, the minimum amount because I think quite a few people were saying 4% is too much. So it's down at 3 They added 3% to the mix. The... I think it's the Retirement Commission who's been suggesting they put in a 6% amount as well. But in fact, if you are putting in 3 or 4% and you'd like to put in more but not right up to 8%, you can directly send any other contributions you like directly to your provider, not doing it through your employer. And that's a fine thing to do. So you can do that as and when it suits you. Okay, next one comes from uh, Andrew. There's a question from Andrew who says, Mary, how can we trust the government to not just nick our KiwiSaver funds when they get into deep enough financial trouble? That's a fairly common sort of a worry, isn't it? It is. And um, there's no way you or I or any or the Prime Minister or anybody can can guarantee what future governments are going to do because they just say, no, change their mind. We've changed their mind. But realistically, it's just not going to happen where the government would um, make any change that radically made KiwiSaver worse and certainly not taking your money any more than they would raid your bank account. KiwiSaver is your own money. It's in your it's in your account, in your name. And, you know, I mean, the bank could theoretically maybe commandeer everybody's bank accounts and take all that money from everybody. But it, it's it's as silly as that, actually, to to worry about that. It's 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 just simply not going to happen. I mean, remember, we're a democracy, and governments can't do mad things like that and and get reelected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So don't worry about it. No. Kids and KiwiSaver. Jean says, we put money into KiwiSaver for the grandchildren when it started, thinking the money would increase. However, their savings are about the same now as when we started 10 years ago. I'm sure fees have increased exponentially in that time. I remember when they were $2.50 per month flat rate. Now I see many different fees have piled on and many are a percent of the principal. Am I correct in thinking the fee structure has changed? It must be a real cash cow for providers should there be more regulation. Yeah, now, interesting letter, letter from Jean here. Um, there's a lot in it, and it, mm. it's absolutely shocking that if, if she and her husband put some money in for the grandchildren 10 years ago and it's hardly changed, that's pathetic. Um, b- before I start addressing some of what she said, though, people might want to grab a pen and paper if they're interested in KiwiSaver for children because I've got a list of some of the providers who offer special deals for for kids and KiwiSaver. Yes, so, that's yeah. one problem I noticed when I went to um, start one up for my little girl is um, you don't have much choice. Well, you didn't oh, really? back then anyway. Oh, yeah. is that right? I mean, I, 
every KiwiSaver provider will take children as members. I think this was back in the, when you got the $1,000 kickstart or something. There yeah. were only some that would uh, would do it um, anyway. That doesn't sound right. But, okay. but, but in, Anyway, you anyway. don't get that $1,000 anymore. No, you don't, unfortunately. And that, and that obviously prompted a lot of people to get kids into KiwiSaver, mm. and it was a great idea. But um, before we get into that, one of the questions Jean asked was whether um, KiwiSaver fees should be regulated or whether there should be more regulation. And that's a question that that does arise a little bit. I'm the board on the board of the Financial Markets Authority, and and we think about that sometimes on on the board about, about what sort of regulation there should be. Um, but you know, there's there's definitely trends in KiwiSaver fees going down. There's new entrants into KiwiSaver. Um, a, a, a sort of notable one was Simplicity two or three years ago now who've come in with lower fees and there are others that charge lower fees and Juno has now just recently, J-U-N-O, has just started a KiwiSaver scheme and they've got no fees for children and um, but they're not the only ones doing deals for kids. Uh, more about that in a sec. But um, the point is that the market, I think, is taking care of the fact that KiwiSaver fees in some cases, are definitely too high. They haven't gone up. Jeans had the impression they've gone up. Mm. I don't think anyone's actually raised their fees. And in um, fact, there's a sort of a sniff of some more competition, yes. maybe maybe pushing downwards on fees yeah. lately. Yeah, no, that's what I think's happening. And so, you know, and that's obviously a better way to do it than for the government to regulate, really, is, is for the market, for people. And the way that works is for every listener out there to take notice of their fees. You know, people have got to take note of what fees they're paying on their KiwiSaver and, and go for the low fees. Mm. Um, the way the fees are set up, I'm pretty sure with every single provider this is true, they charge a flat fee um, and a percentage fee. So the flat fee is typically between 25 and 40-ish dollars per year in most cases. It's, so it's not a huge amount for, for most people. But, of course, if you've got a kid's account and there's just $1,000 in it or if you, mm. if you if the kid joined up after the kickstart stopped, they might have only a few hundred dollars in that the, the family has put in for them. And if they're being charged 30 or $40 a year on that, that really does eat into it. And then after that, there's a percentage fee that the provider will charge, which is a percentage of your balance. Mm-hmm. And so obviously the higher your balance is, the, the bigger that, that fee is. Um, not a percentage but, of the return. <laughs> no, it's not a percentage of the return. That's yeah. right. I mean, some people argue that it should be, but that's a question for another day because that would get very complicated. When, when there are losses, does that yeah. mean the providers have to... Have to um, uh, pay you rather than you paying them, and yeah, there's all kinds of complications come out of that. But given that there's a flat fee and a percentage, it does mean that if you've got a low balance, you're hit harder because that flat fee is going to hit you a lot worse mm. than if someone's got you know fifty thousand in KiwiSaver, then a flat fee of thirty or forty bucks is nothing. It's it's irrelevant mm. really. But but um, yeah, in 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 the case of Gene, probably what's happened is the balances are pretty low. And but it also sounds to me as though their provider has got high fees. They won't have gone up, I don't think, but they are high. And so I would suggest they move the kids' accounts. It's it's not hard to move accounts from one provider to another. All you have to do is go to the new provider and ask them to do the moving for you. So you don't have to go back to the old one and say, I don't 
love you anymore. Um, so, so just looking at the different providers that do offer deals, as I say, Juno charges no fees for, for people under 18. And the following, Craig's Investment Partners and Simplicity, which I mentioned earlier, charge no annual fee. They do charge a percentage fee. But given that the children's balances are pretty low, if they're charging a percentage fee um, with simplicity, it'll be well under 1%. I'm not quite sure with Craig's it might be around 1%. It's not a huge fee if the balance is low. Uh, so they're still pretty good deals. New Zealand Funds um, also offers a deal that's slightly complicated, but they offer a slightly better deal for children. Aon gives you a small reduction on your annual fee, but not much. Um, so there are a few providers out there that are doing something, and that will be worth looking into. You might, though, want to consider, if you go with one of those because their fees are low, when the child gets to 18 and the fees go back up, they might want to move again mm. to, to a different provider. You know, you don't want to be with one that's, solely. Because that's that what thing. I noticed about, uh, I think it was Juno, who, you know, good for them, are really sort of trying to yes. stir things up at the moment. But they do yeah. ramp up as you get older. So I guess yes. the, the business model for them is, Get people in young, and then yes. they'll benefit later. I, th- I think what they I think what they do is actually charge a higher fee as your balance gets bigger, uh-huh. rather than necessarily as you get older. Although right. both would happen together probably. Yes, but, probably. But yeah, so you so you know you don't have to necessarily stick with these ones once the kid gets to eighteen and the deal's no longer there. I mean, they're hoping you will, of course, mm. but um, you don't have to. And they're probably <laughs> right, given how lethargic we all are about this sort of yes, thing. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, Kelly also has a kids-based question. Uh, Kelly and Wally. In 2006, I assigned my then 10-year-old son up to KiwiSaver to take advantage of the government's $1,000 kickstart. Twelve years on, as a millennial working in a minimum wage job, he is constantly having to opt out of the contributions in order to afford his rent. My question is why, when it was me who signed him up at the age of 10, doesn't he have the right to decide whether he opts out of the scheme altogether? He's tried a number of times and been flatly denied. There must be many others who were signed up by their parents as kids who are in the same position. doesn't seem fair they can't reverse the albeit well-meaning decision made by their parents on their behalf. And this is a really good question that Kelly's asked. And I, I remember when KiwiSaver started that I asked the officials, you know, what happens when the kid gets older and says they don't want to be in yeah. Kiwi. So, and they were kind of vague about it at the time. And I thought, oh, well, we'll wait and see what yeah. happens. And, and now it's um, happening. Now we're now the first generation right. of un- yes. ungrateful children. Yes. <laughs> we're saying, hey, what, what went on here? Um, I'm a wee bit puzzled by the fact that Kelly says her son has to constantly have to opt out of the contributions because when he gets a job, he will be automatically in KiwiSaver because he's been signed up, but mm. then he just says, I want to go on a contributions holiday, and it can be up to te- up to five years long, that holiday, and no one should be bothering him again for another five years, and then he can just simply renew the holiday. Maybe he's changing jobs a lot, and every time he gets a new job, he's got to explain that to them, but it shouldn't be that hard to explain to his employer no, I don't want to be contributing, I want to be on a contributions holiday, and just say that once for five years. So it shouldn't be that big a deal. But I saw someone suggesting recently that they might they might want to look at reducing that holiday. I can't remember where yes. I saw that. It might, might have been the yep. tax the, 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 um, reti- the Retirement Commissioner has been at use, and, and I agree with her. I think the maximum holiday should be just one year. Mm-hmm. 
and with the right to renew it and just renew it each year. So there's no has you don't have to do anything other than fill out a little form that says I want to mm-hmm. go on holiday. There's no you don't have to prove anything. Um, but I think most people who've gone on contributions holidays have gone on for the full five years, and that's not very good because. Within five years, often they could have started contributing yep. again, and they really need a nudge to get back into yep. it. But the the main point I want to make with Kelly is her son's on the minimum wage, and when you work that that sixteen dollars fifty an hour, when you work that out, if he's working a forty hour week, and if he were just putting in three percent of his pay, that's less than twenty dollars a week. So it's not even with someone on the minimum wage. I mean, if you're really trying to feed a lot of children and all that, maybe you really, that $20 a week really counts. But I would suggest Kelly talks to her son about whether or not he could perhaps spare, it's $19.80 a week would be going in if he's on the minimum wage, Mm. whether he could spare that because I think he'd find he could, you know. And then he is getting in there building up this habit of saving and as his pay goes up, this is building up a, a chunk of money for him to buy a first home with, and it's it's a real pity if the kids aren't in there doing that. So, and yeah. in, th- in theory, for every twenty dollars he um, puts in, he'll be getting an extra thirty dollars topping it up. He'll he'll be getting um, twenty from his from the employer, and yes, and. Another um, yes, another ten from the government will for a while through the year. Yeah, yeah, not his money will be more than doubled. Mm. When when I said earlier, people's and employees' money is typically doubled. For people on low wages, it's actually more than doubled. For people mm. on very high wages, it's less than doubled. Okay. Um, so, so twenty bucks a week. Come on, you can do it, <laughs> young man. Okay. Yeah. Is a non-Kiwi saver fund better? Asks Carol. I'm consider. I'm considering putting a savings into a non-Kiwi saver investment portfolio. I'm concerned about being locked into rules about when and how much I can withdraw from Kiwi saver. The government can or may change the rules and how we can access our funds. But if I did it in a non-Kiwi saver investment portfolio, I wouldn't be affected. Note that I intend to keep putting in the minimum to get the yearly government top up to my Kiwi saver. It's just that I can see many private investment funds which look very similar to my existing KiwiSaver portfolio. If I need to take my money out, I can do it whenever I like and I don't have to wait. Conversely, I can keep adding to it as long as I wish. Is there any point in sticking with a KiwiSaver fund instead of a personal investment fund? And there are, by the way, several funds that my current provider offers to private investors and the minimum investment is $10,000. It looks like a better option. Yeah, and that's interesting. By the way, that minimum of $10,000 could get in the way of some people, but um, obviously it's not a problem for Carol. First of all, I just want to say good on her for continuing to put in enough to keep getting the um, the maximum tax credit. She's saying she's still putting in. And anyone in any situation, I really recommend they keep putting in, th- you know, 1043 a year get 521 bucks from the government why wouldn't you um, but she's saying what about putting the extra somewhere else and the obvious advantage of doing that putting it somewhere else is the access to the money as she points out you, you can take it out whenever you want to she actually also says I can keep adding to it as long as I wish well that's actually true of KiwiSaver as well so that's not not a particular advantage of being out of KiwiSaver in retirement or at any time in your life you can always put more money in. The main argument against doing what Carol's suggesting is 
that the fees tend to be higher on similar non-KiwiSaver funds than on the KiwiSaver ones. So just watch that. Have a look at the fees Mm -hmm. you're paying because if they're a fair bit higher, that really does eat into your returns. But other than that, I think it's a good idea to put put money in a non-KiwiSaver account as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've discussed this before, says Rosemary. By the way, if you just tuned in, um, personal finance expert Mary Holm is answering listener questions about problems with KiwiSaver or potential problems. Uh, Because I teach, I unfortunately don't always get to hear your wonderful advice, Mary. I'm a late 50s primary school teacher. I belong to the Teachers Retirement Savings Scheme, and I'm tracking okay with that. But I wonder if I should join KiwiSaver too. It would mean no employer contribution, as I think that was best kept for the TRSS. Is it still a good idea to join with probably six years teaching or full or part-time ahead and just contributing a basic amount in order to collect the government subsidy and, in your opinion, with a freehold house and... The teacher's scheme, would growth investment be the best way to earn a little extra? Yeah, now this doesn't apply just to teachers. There are other people around in in other, like the state sector retirement savings scheme, so a lot of other government workers. And then there are some people also in private companies that run super schemes who are wondering if they should be in KiwiSaver as well. And typically... In these schemes, which, as Rosemary points out, applies in her case, she, you're not going to get employer contributions to both. You're getting she's getting her employer, the teachers, the government's putting in contributions into her teachers' savings scheme, and they won't put them into KiwiSaver as well. That's a bit of a big ask, but nonetheless, it's a really good idea um, to get into KiwiSaver as well. Now, there's a key point about this. If Rosemary goes into KiwiSaver in her first year, she's going to have to contribute 3% of her pay to KiwiSaver, as well as contributing to the other super scheme. Um, but in, in, And, look, she can keep doing that forever. If she can afford to do it, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But she might say, look, I don't really want to contribute that much to both schemes but after, just do it for a year because after a year you can then take the contributions, holidays I've been talking about um, which can last up to five years and be renewed so at that point then the what she should be doing is getting 1,043 into the KiwiSaver scheme every year in order to get the maximum tax credit. The easy way to do that is to set up an automatic payment into your bank account of either $20 into from your bank account to KiwiSaver of either $20 a week or $87 a month will get you there and it sort of automatically takes care of it. In, in Rosemary's case, she said she's in her late 50s, so she's, let's say she's got six or seven years through until she gets to 65. Um, so she's got, say, six or seven years worth of $521, which is about $3,000, $3,500 of government money that she's missing out on otherwise. So it's a really good idea to do it. She's sort of saying, I might, I'm probably six years working full or part-time. Now, if she decides to retire before 65, she should still try and get that 1,043 into the KiwiSaver every year to keep to get the 521 coming back. Now, she also asked at the end, didn't she, um, if uh, she wants to be in a growth fund. Yeah, at late yes. 50s, with the retirement, she reckons six years away. Yes, so she says, should she be in a growth fund with KiwiSaver or, or something else? And I, the answer to that really depends on what she's, 
what fun she's got, her her work super scheme, the teacher's retirement savings scheme, what level of risk she's got that money in. Um, if that's in a lower risk one, then she might want to put the KiwiSaver money in a higher risk one and plan to use that KiwiSaver money later in retirement. If you're going into a growth fund, you really want to be doing it with money, you plan to spend 10 years or more away. So... It depends. If she's in a higher risk one and the teacher's one, she might want to make that a lower risk one to sort of balance it out mm. somehow. Yeah. Um, that's the end of the letters. A couple of text concerns that have come in. I know that you'll be able to answer, Mary. One concern <laughs> yes. is that by the time this person reaches retirement in 20 years, the government will be starting to reduce superannuation payments because of KiwiSaver. They'll be looking at your other ability to use, I guess, funds that you've already got and, and, and cutting away into your superannuation. Yes, and, you know, as, as I said before, we don't know what a future government might do, but I don't think they're going to re- reduce NZ Super too much because of the fact that there are so many voters in that age group and the children of those people in that age group who don't want to see mum and dad ripped off and and old people vote too, much more than young people. So I don't think Super's going to go down much. Even if it did go down somewhat, though, you still want to be one of the ones that's got bigger, uh, bigger savings elsewhere. You don't want to be one of the ones with low savings elsewhere mm. when... If and when super goes down, I think so. so they mean like means testing you, your superannuation, oh, means on testing. Your okay, Kiwi-saver. yeah. So means testing for those who don't aren't familiar with that term is saying, well, we're not going to give super, or we're not going to give as much super to better off people. Mm. And um, in a lot of other countries, they do that. Like in Australia, they only give give state super to people on lower and not so well off. It's a common thing. Whether they start means testing New Zealand super. It's always it's been praised around the world for not means testing it actually. I mean, mm. one of the big problems with means testing is people then um, mm-hmm. use family trusts and all yeah. kinds of other ways to get get around. So they look as though they're poor. They give their money to the kids on the deal that the kids will actually quietly give it back to them. Um, there, there's all kinds of ways around it, which is one reason the New Zealand government's resisted it. There's no guarantees with future governments, but but you can be sure a government's never going to set it up so that people with with bigger private savings are going to be worse off or even as badly off as people with smaller private savings because of the message that would send to young people at the time. Young people at the time would start saying, I'm not going to save if if it's not going to if I'm not going to end up better better off. And so even if they did did means test a bit, they're not going to set it up so that you're worse off if you've saved more. Okay. Yeah. Can I uh, finish the session with a small plug, Mary? You certainly may. We've been spending uh, the last few days working on a piece on uh, this proposed tax on capital that the tax working group came up. It just went up on the spin-off website today if people are interested in uh, my learned thoughts on that. I'd be interested to see It's been quite fun. Don't know if you've made your way through that tax working group interim report yet. I haven't read it all yet. It's got some good stuff in it. Yeah, Really interesting stuff. A really thorough look at the taxes that we have in New Zealand and fairness and what things are overtaxed and what things are undertaxed. And so yes. last time I started chatting uh, on on TV actually about tax and capital, I heard from a lot of people who got really, really angry at me. People get quite cross when you yes. talk about something that they feel is their matter of expertise. And so I thought, well, I must yes. be on the right track here <laughs> if I'm making these sorts of people angry. So I've Good written point. quite a lengthy piece, which has been fact-checked by... Uh, 
economists and tax lawyers to make sure that it's unimpeachable. So uh, you can oh, find that on the spin-off website. I must website. look for it. And yes, and I and I have read certainly read some of the report, but not all of it. Yeah. I've got a quick question for you. Mm. Nothing to do with any of this. Yes. When you have these three songs and people have to get what's in common, yeah. has anyone ever got it after only one song? Yes, I get very cross with them. Happened last week. Did it? I had a very, very big prize all <laughs> set up, and they got it after the first chord of the first really? song. The first chord of the first song. My goodness. I know. That's incredible. So you've yeah. got to sort of balance the sort of making it hard enough that it lasts for a while, but not <laughs> making it so hard that people roll their eyes and say, oh, Mulligan, yeah. what a waste of time. <laughs> anyway, no one's got today's yet. No. Do they know it's <laughs> Christmas good. and don't you forget about me? We'll have another one after three o'clock. Thanks, Mary. Mary Holmes. Pleasure, Jesse. When's your book out, by the way? Um, late November. Okay, great. We'll talk yes. about that then. Yeah.